0: verse 26 about some of these unseen enemies in the home Um, are you ready verse verse 26 i want you to read it with me once you get there and um let's go ahead and read it ready begin be Be angry angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath now um so it says here okay in context be angry which is um Okay, verse twenty-seven. Neither give place to the devil. Uh, That word "place" means access. Don't don't allow Satan to get a foothold. Right. Uh, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands, and the thing which is good, and may give, may have to give to him that needeth. Now, verse twenty-nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So it talks about our communication a little bit, what we say. Now, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. Now, in context, understand. He's saying now, be angry, said so not. do the sun go down upon your wrath, which means this. Before that sun goes down, make sure you have things resolved and reconciled in your life. Uh, don't let it go down upon your wrath. Um, and then don't give access so don't give place to the devil. Now, make sure you watch your communication. As we know, evil communication corrupts good manners. Watch your communication. And then he says to you now, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Based on our communication, based on our anger, based on our wrath, these things can grieve the Holy Spirit. And then it intros right into or dovetails into verse number 31. Let all bitterness and what? Wrath and what? Anger and and be put away from you with all malice. And so he says with, with seeing that not malice is wrong, but take all these things, wrath and clamor and bitterness and evil speaking and anger, you want to drive these things with a malice, with, with, with an intense force. We'll do all we can to take these things and push them away from us. We don't want these things. These things are the things that give access to the devil. These are the things that Satan gets a foothold and starts to starts to divide a home. and starts to divide uh, a marriage. And they're very, very subtle. Very subtle. And so I would say this, and that is um, just after... Counseling, talking to people, whatnot. Probably the number one cause of dividing a home or the number one enemy. The number one enemy in a home would be anger. Anger. I would say, above all, uh, a lot of roots, a lot of causes, but probably the number one thing is anger. Look at verse number 32. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we how many know the song since you've been a kid, right? And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Ooh. Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, Ephesians 4, 32, whatever it is, and um, we know that song, we've heard it, the truth of the matter is that is the antidote, that is the solution against anger. A few thoughts about this, I believe this, and that is the, um, Satan knows that the thing that's going to keep America right and keep. Our marriages right, our keep the homes right is going to be this matter of strength. Uh, it's the home. It's not even so much the church as it is the home. And so I'm telling you, uh, the one thing that I have seen over and over and over again be used in my counseling is uh, unresolved anger. When somebody has something that has bothered them, has festered, it's not been resolved. Uh, they don't want to talk about it so it's a matter of unresolved anger. Anger is very destructive. Uh, anger is, is often unseen. You know, you could be sitting here right next to each other, arm in arm, hand in hand, marital embrace, and still be holding anger. And so it's very, very uh, hidden. It's unseen. Uh, something maybe said or done that offends, and rather than dealing with it, the injured spouse will carry it around for a long time. Uh, and eventually, those unresolved issues turn into anger and it can eat, eat, just eat, eat in a relationship. So it's not wrong to be angry. And there are things that should stir us to anger. Uh, but God's plan is not for us to be angry towards somebody else. So if we just put this up here, and that is this, the proper exercise of anger is to be angry at a problem, but never a person. So when it says, be angry and sin not, that anger is not to be directed at a person. So what does Ephesians 6 teach us, right? Uh, That we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. So therefore, if I know and realize that I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, well, this is a satanic thing. So if I get angry, I should be angry at a problem and not a person. If Hillary Clinton would have been nominated as president, I might have been a little bit angry. Not even at the person, but at the issues that's going to present. uh, The the platform that the unbiblical platform that that presented, I'm angry about. You know, when uh, when when the Supreme Court justice declared uh, same-sex marriage, you know, have equal rights and this and that and. But that, that issue got me angry. I wasn't mad at the justice is It's just that specific problem gets me a little bit angry because I know this is against what God wants. And so, you know, when I see this, is, as we've said, love the sinner but hate the sin. And so we understand that there, there are problems that we have, but I'm not going to be angry at the person. So be very, very careful how you direct uh, and how we use our anger that it's not at a person. It's very easy when you see a face. Oh, I don't like that person because that person said something. But understand, it's not the person. Uh, it's the issue. And so I so when I deal with it, understand I'm not dealing so much with, I got to change this person. No, no. I want to deal with the issue and try to get the issue resolved. And so that's a, that's a very key point there uh, to make sure that I, the proper exercise of anger is to be, um, is to be angry at a problem, but never a person, and uh, that's key. <clears throat> a few thoughts on that is this: on the road to to marital intimacy, and not just in not just in body, I'm just talking about where souls are intimately connected. There's a deep relationship. There's a deep connection. Uh, I have to understand that is this: the, the improper handling of conflicts will breed anger. That undermine marriages again. The the improper handling of conflicts. How many of you have been married long enough to understand that there has been a conflict or two in your in your relationship? Absolutely. Second day of marriage, right? <laughs> this first day we didn't know each other that well. Uh, the second day, it's amazing how many conflicts start popping up. And so here's here's the thing: the way that we deal with the conflicts. It makes all the difference. So if, if I can just take a moment here on this matter of the unseen enemy and just kind of in, intro, this might be a three or four week little series of lessons, but uh, to understand how we deal with this conflict is so huge. I'm, I'm talking to people and I'm um, and I'm realizing we do not know in many cases how to deal with an issue. Uh, and I'm going to give six things that create issues so there's three lessons of this. Today's six things that create anger the, the, or create conflict. The second thing is going to be uh, things that, um, how not to handle it, right? How not to handle issues. Uh, yelling is not one of them, uh, you know, as far as, this is not, this is not how you handle issues, don't yell. Uh, and then thirdly would be how to handle conflict, how to handle the problem. So anyway, There's a few thoughts about this. Six primary internal causes of conflict. Internal things that start to happen. Now, on these six things, anger is not listed. Anger is not listed on these things. Because anger is the byproduct of these things. And so would you say, well, Pastor, you're you're saying all these things, but you're saying that anger is the enemy. Yes. Uh, Anger is the unseen enemy that causes a lot of issues. Let me just say this. There's a lot of stuff going on internally that the byproduct is we get angry. And let me say this too before I get into this part, and that is this. There are two kinds of people. Um, uh, two ways of expressing anger. There's two ways of expressing anger. Usually everybody's got them. So you're either one of these two. The one is, the first person is you are the pursuer. The person, when that person gets angry, they pursue. They're going to drill it. They're going to make their point No, 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 I'm telling you, I know that I'm right. And uh, bam, 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 bam. He he, or she is the pursuer. again. Can I say this? In marriages, opposites do attract. And so usually one of the spouses are, is the pursuer. And the other one is the second one I want to mention here in a little bit. Uh, but you have the pursuer. And just, just, and, and we'll keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. I mean, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, and just drill it and drill it and drill it until the spouse or this other person in the relationship says, okay, you're right. And so they want to drill it and drill it and drill it because that's how they're venting their anger. They're upset and they want to make sure you know, no, 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 I'm telling you, no, no. And listen, and I will give you 10 reasons why I'm right and just pursue the issue. You're angry. And so, it's a pursuer. The second person is the withdrawer. The withdrawer. The person who just shuts down. And so, the first person expresses their anger. The second person internalizes their anger. And they just internalize it. So, you won't get them to argue with you. They will literally shut down. And then that just takes the, the pursuer off. Because the pursuer wants an engagement of 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 anger and engagement of arguments. But the, the withdrawer says, I am hot right now. You don't recognize it, but they've internalized it. And they're steaming on the inside, and they shut down. And you have no idea what they're thinking. But the pursuer speculates "What? you. Oh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and is, continues to drive it. Well, that just creates a ma- massive wedge. So the pursuer can't get it resolved, the withdrawer can't get it resolved because the person who's pursued it just made this person just have a meltdown and shut down. and either way both of them really are unbiblical to not be able to have a rational mind to be able to discuss the issue because you're just driving this thing pursuing it and because the person withdraws they're not willing to talk about it and they shut down and you say well at least I'm not like that person I don't just like beat people up about it but you're not dealing with it either and so the pursuer and drawer have two extremes that both don't allow reconciliation. Don't, don't, both of them do not allow us to work these things out. And so here's some th- six things. Uh, number one, and that is this. Uh, I would say this. Six primary internal causes uh, of conflict in a marriage. Again, let all anger and clamor and bitterness, verse 28 there, be put away from you with all malice. But here's the thing. If I if we cannot recognize what the anger is, uh, what what is the bitterness stemming from? What are things that are going to eat at the at the relationship and eat at the home? If we can't recognize them, then we can't deal with them. And so if I'm going to put them away with all malice, if I'm going to say, Okay, I need to to be able to conquer this and put this away, I have to recognize what they are. And so here's just I would say, like, the top six, right? There's a lot more, but the top six. Here we go, number one, Uh, immaturity. We're just being real, right? Immaturity. Uh, Just because somebody is 67 years of age does not mean they're mature. Have you ever met an immature, you know, elderly person? It's like, are you serious? Like, you're behaving like this? Are you kidding me? You think that you learn from these things, but they don't. And just because we have graduated and have a college degree or, and have all these credibilities does not mean that I have accepted my adult responsibility of walking with God. And so the immaturity is a, is a major, major deal. Um, the problem with this is we're dealing with people who are not properly disciplined and trained as children. And so it is what it is. You can't change it, uh, but here's the thing: once we recognize it and say, "Okay, maybe there's a, there, maybe there is a level of immaturity," then I'll do all that I can to make sure I recognize it and work with it. Um, in many cases, some of these people have not been restrained from self-will; uh, they react as children would. You ever deal with somebody and it's like I can't talk to you, like you're you're literally di- like. You're throwing an adult temper as a kid would. I can't. I can't talk to you. It's just, It's very frustrating. But I, I realize that there's a there's that measure of immaturity, so uh, very important to recognize immaturity. Number two, and that is this: uh, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. If we do not appropriate God's grace, we will totally live for self. Rather, than, now I've addressed this matter of living for others, but let me just say it again. Uh, because it's all about me again, right? I got to have my way. This is my office. This is my space. This is my phone. This is my stuff. That's my, 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 my. Very self-centered. So I, again, let's recognize a couple of these things, immaturity. So I, I can see myself getting angry because I'm immature. I said, Pastor, how do we, well, it just takes time. Well, I'm going to get to how to deal with this, but but it just takes time. The more you walk with God, the more you realize the seriousness. Let me just take a minute, minute and just—I know y'all are here this morning. I am not at all implying that anybody here is immature, but I will say that I, I think at times that there is a lack of intentionality or a lack of seriousness to realize that there is a major onslaught on the home and there's a major onslaught on your marriage, and after I have to recognize that and say that. I need to be serious about this stuff. Uh, it's time to man up, as we would say, you know, in a locker room, man up, man, suck it up. Be right. a man, take, take it. Uh, and same thing with a marriage. We just, we just, uh, it's not a big deal, just, hey, whatever, I'm going to let her just, she can go pound sand. or he can go pound sand. No, the hard, one of the hardest things to do is to suck up my pride, Get, accept the responsibility of maturity, and say, I need to deal with this thing head on some wisdom and discernment to say, okay, uh, with my spouse, and say we need to talk about something, and to be serious. About it. And uh, not, not, you know, we, we live in a day and age of, of sarcasm, and everything's a joke. You know, everything's as, as long as we can make people laugh, then you know, smooth over. No, it's going to rear its ugly head again. So I can't just always crack jokes and just make people laugh and all that. Got to take these things seriously. This is So anyway, so I see. Um, immaturity self-centeredness number three ready? desire to control <laughs> desire to control and uh, think about this for a second desire to control uh, trying to change a spouse now this is probably one of the biggest ones uh, because we think we can change him I can change her and so I think I can control her and uh, or control him and trying to change a spouse. Now, what happens is, as a result of not being able to control him or her, we get angry. Now listen. You knew who she was and who he was when you got married. In many cases, maybe you didn't know. But after about two to three years, I've noticed about two to three years is when you finally figure out who people are. And you see their true color shining through. And after after that, that period of time, about two to three years, you I mean you get to know the person. Everything honeymoon stage is over and it is what it is. And I realize I must accept that person. I cannot control that person. And um, But when I get to that point of frustration where this person just drives me nuts, that desire to control produces anger. Immaturity produces anger. Self-centeredness because she's not or he's not all about me produces anger. And so all these things produce uh, anger and so the desire to control. Number four, and I I'll say this: pettiness. Pettiness. Curtis Curtis Hudson said this: don't fight about the things that don't matter. That's so true. Uh, you you be shocked how many times I'll <clears throat> I'll sit here um, at the at the conference table in my office for counseling, and I'm telling you, it's it just the stuff. I just can't believe it. I mean, I can say this. I don't, I don't think any of the couples was here when I was doing this counseling, but I had a counseling thing one time. Literally, this, this couple was talking about divorce. It's okay. And um, the first issue that brought that brought up was the toilet paper roll. I'm like, I'm like you know, I thought maybe you know, infidelity. I thought something like, you know, the toilet paper roll. She says, you always put the toilet paper roll when it comes over. She goes, I want it coming under. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like, are you serious? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I thought to myself, well, how petty that is. Well, that one petty issue led to another petty issue of I want the milk on the left side of the fridge, not the right side of the fridge. And that petty that, that issue went to. You always leave the cap of the toothpaste you know off if you please screw it back on and that leads to and then I can tell you countless the shampoo bottles on the you know I want on the top shelf at the bottom in the shower you know and uh, you always leave your clothes and uh, your socks reek and you know whatever whatever and there's always these issues you work clothes there your work boots are always making a you know, mess and Etcetera, etcetera, etcetera—the things that just drive you nuts—all the I would just say, simple, simple simply just, just petty issues. And if you look at the big picture of this, yeah, there are things that irk our flesh, but if it's not about me, if I'll deal with this on a mature level, and um, I don't want to control the person, then these petty issues are not going to not going to eat at me. But here's what happens: it's all the foxes that eat at the butt. So one petty thing, one petty thing, and when you get twenty petty things, if you allow that to eat at you, it's going to exp- you're going to explode with anger. And after a while, even the person who is the withdrawer will have a breaking moment to where it is just an eruption, and you won't believe it. So these are just some things to just recognize, the internal things, the immaturity, the self, self-centeredness, the desire to control, pettiness. Now, let me just say this about pettiness and I'll move on. The things that are, are petty to me might not be petty to you. But when you look at the big picture, they're petty. Okay? So the things that are big to me might be petty to you. But at the end of the day, they're petty. So, something is petty that is not life-changing. In other words, this. Piece of dirt on the floor. That honestly, that stuff drives me nuts. Okay, I mean the needs to be clean, needs to be vacuumed. Like I like order, I like structure. You know, every time I uh, would walk into a class if I'm teaching whatever, and, and and the kids are, you know, they're sitting there, and I these chairs got to be straight here and straight here. The aisle's got to be straight. The seats this way got to be straight. And, uh, and I like the way Stephen Vanessa set this up because I like it all straight. It's nice, it's sharp. I like it. But anyway, but all that stuff is nuts. And, uh, but if I'm not careful, I can let that stuff make me get angry. And so I got to, I got, you know, I got to control that stuff too. Cause at the end of the day, is that piece of dirt going to, no, that one little chair like that right there should not be like that. But like that, that was me too, by the way, but, <laughs> but is that one little chair, is that going to make a difference? No. And so I have to learn, we all have to learn what, what is really matters and what really doesn't. So, uh, is that my five minutes? No? Oh. Where are we at? Four or five. I'm get six. Five. Pride. I'm gonna take a lot of time on pride because pride is I spent a lot of time, I think, a couple of weeks going on pride. So but only by pride cometh what? Contention. Contention. So again, it kind of ties into the self-centeredness a little bit, but it's a different issue as far as always, you know, um my way and all that. And number six. Fear. Now, this is a big one, and that is this fear of confronting the issue, fear of resolving the issue, fear of reconciling, fear that um, uh, from your past and the way your parents dealt with you, you, you're afraid that if you start to deal with your spouse, it's going to erupt like it did with your whole life. It's going to erupt like it did with your past marriage. It's going to erupt like it did with whatever. And so fear is a major, major factor. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. So God has not given us the fear, not, not, not the all reverence of God, not that fear. But the fear to where it, it inhibits us to be able to deal with a relations or deal with an issue, and so these are these are the six issues. This may, I would say the big big issues um, that create internal conflicts in marriage. And then now we just say this, and then we're done. Which we must we must refuse anger. Go back to first uh, verse number twenty six of, of Ephesians four, and uh, twenty six it says this: Be angry and sin not. But let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. And so I've got to refuse anger uh, two ways. Sorry, i explain that. Uh, refuse to help Satan with the anger. And that is this, Ephesians 4, 27. Uh, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place, that we're again is access. So we cannot allow uh, Satan to have victory over these issues. Uh, We've got to be able to say, I want to be able to learn how to deal with these things and not allow my house to be split and be able to work together. One more passage, and then I'll be done. Second uh, Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 2, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter 2. And just real quick, um, verse number 10, 2 and 10. It says this, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave it I in the person of Christ. Watch this. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, here's what he's saying: I forget. Paul's saying I forgave these people because I don't want Satan to get a foothold, or the Bible says an advantage, or to get gain on me. And so I have to learn how to deal with anger, be able to forgive. do want to give access to the devil, and I don't want Satan to get an advantage on me. And so, is it possible he can Satan can get a foothold? Just due to anger and due to unresolved issues and due to things that are starting to creep in my home and starting to put a, a crack and a fracture in my home? Absolutely. So we first of all have to recognize some of the main issues and then secondly, learn how not to deal with them. And then thirdly learn how to deal with them.